Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here, and welcome to the Redeemed and Restored podcast, where we connect every Friday so that together we can intentionally discover the faithfulness of God. So today's episode of Redeemed and Restored is entitled, Going Back to Church, Part 3. I am still in awe of how the Lord met me right where I was as I made my way back to church, using such a poignant study to help me see myself clearly and begin growing my emotional self back to health. My decade-plus descent into deception had affected me in similar ways that trauma affects children. My ability to grow emotionally and heal from a lifetime of trauma was suspended in time, frozen. Just like children who grew up in a traumatic or toxic family, their emotional growth is stunted and their brains don't develop normally in that kind of environment. Jesus had his work cut out for him as I found my way back to him because my emotional and spiritual growth had been stunted in so many ways. I'm, I shot the intro to this episode on the path that I walked my Vishla every day, his name was Copper, right by the church along the 410 highway that runs through Enumclaw and up to the Crystal Mountain ski slopes. I had many moments of processing the lies I believed at the same time catching a glimpse of who God really was on this trail. So take a moment, write a review on Apple so even more folks will find the podcast and be encouraged. Or you may even know someone who needs to hear this specific message. So please share the link with others. You may even want to visit my YouTube channel to see the video version of this podcast and connect with the conversations happening over there. So type into your browser, redeemedandrestored.tv, and you'll find the video broadcast there. So, hey, let's get started. Well, hey, everyone. Athena Dean Holtz here for this week's edition of Redeemed and Restored. Today's segment is titled Going to Church, Part 3. As we continue to study together as a church, the Grow into an Emotionally Mature Adult chapter was an answer to prayer to show me where I was on my journey to emotional health. I love the examples given in that chapter, which gives a true picture of what it looks like when we are emotionally immature in contrast with what real maturity looks like. So I'm going to quote from the book. Here's what emotional infants do. They look for others to take care of them. They have great difficulty entering into the world of others. They are driven by a need for instant gratification. They use others as objects to meet their needs. So emotional children are content and happy as long as they receive what they want. They unravel quickly from stress, disappointments, and trials. They interpret disagreements as personal offenses. They're easily hurt, complain, withdraw, manipulate, take revenge, become sarcastic when they don't get their own way. 
have great difficulty calmly discussing their needs and wants in a mature, loving way. Then there's emotional adolescence. They tend to often be defensive, are threatened and alarmed by criticism, keep score of what they give so that they can ask for something later in return. They deal with conflict poorly, often blaming, appeasing, going to a third party, pouting, or ignoring the issue entirely. They become preoccupied with themselves, have great difficulty listening to another person's pain, disappointments, or needs, are critical and judgmental, and then emotional adults are able to ask for what they need, want, or prefer clearly, directly, honestly. They recognize, manage, and take responsibility for their own thoughts and feelings. They can, when under stress, state their own beliefs and values without becoming adversarial. They respect others without having to change them. They give people room to make mistakes and not be perfect. They appreciate people for who they are, the good, bad, and ugly, not for what they can give back. They accurately assess their own limits, strengths, and weaknesses, and are able to freely discuss them with others. They are deeply in tune with their own emotional world and able to enter into the feelings, needs, and concerns of others without losing themselves. They have a capacity to resolve conflict maturely and negotiate solutions that considers the perspectives of others, end quote. That was pages 178 and 179. So Pastor Ross first preached on this topic, and I felt like it would be really hard for me to judge where I was at since I wasn't married, I wasn't working in an office or with coworkers or living with a roommate. I asked the Lord to please just put me in some situations where it might be obvious where I was at emotionally. And boy, did he ever answer that prayer. Many times after I prayed, I found myself in conversations with others, getting critical and judgmental about the topic of the conversation. I was at the time in my life where I was definitely preoccupied with myself and my future, and that surely did not help me truly listen to others' pain and disappointments because I was too wrapped up in my own. I thought back to my tendency to avoid conflict with others and not wanting to rock the boat. Then the Lord reminded me how so many times when I was married, I would blame and pout when I didn't get my own way. Well, alrighty then. It was pretty obvious that I was an emotional teenager. But praise God, he began helping me to learn what it would look like to be emotionally healthy. I had many others who desired the same emotional health, spiritually, walking alongside me, and a whole church committed to it. So right around that time, as I was asking God to open my eyes to the state of my own emotional health, 
I was being interviewed for an article. And the newspaper reporter just kind of looked at me with this puzzled look on his face. He said, you know, I've had some encounters with those Sound Doctrine folks, and I'm really troubled. How did you ever get mixed up with those people? Well, I thought about that for days after he asked. Of course, my initial answer was, hey, they acted normal when I first met them. They were friendly and really seemed to have a genuine love for God. They extended grace and mercy and did not overreact to things. That's a pretty normal picture I've found for cults. Love bombing is the term I've heard that describes the typical initiation of new members into the group. It took quite a long time before things actually started getting weird. And the change was so subtle over the years, I didn't even notice it. But there was something else I realized that had attracted me, based on the wounding and vulnerability I brought with me. Because I'd made a vow when I was 19 that I would never let anyone use me again. I became then the user in an attempt to shield myself from more pain. That vow led me on a journey of gaining more and more control over everything in my life, especially my relationships. Since I used work as my drug of choice to escape the pain in my life, I was always successful even when it risked the health of those same relationships. And so I became the breadwinner in all my relationships, retaining control and the upper hand. As a result of this unhealthy way of living my life, born out of my own wounding and wrong response to it, I believe way down deep, I longed for a relationship where I would be taken care of, cherished, nourished, and really led in a healthy way. So the leadership I initially saw lived and preached in sound doctrine filled a void in my heart and then drew me in as a result of that innate vulnerability. As that leadership grew in extreme control and abuse over time, the fruit of my unhealthy vow ripened. Matthew 7, 1 through 2 says, Do not judge lest you be judged. For the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. I judged or condemned the man in my life who used and lied to me at age 19, setting myself up for the enemy to have the right to measure back to me the same thing I vowed never to let happen in my life. Actually, pretty amazing, isn't it? I vowed that no one would ever use me again. And these people, in 13 years, used me up and spit me out, got my business, my car, my house, and hundreds of thousands of dollars, leaving me destitute. Wow. So how did I get mixed up with a group of complete control freaks who brought incredible destruction to scores of people and families over the last 35 years in the name of God? 
I'll tell you how. By allowing the pain in my life to go unattended, ignoring the healing Jesus offered, that's how. I couldn't blame anyone but myself. As I took responsibility for the tragedy of those 13 years, I continued to heal and move forward in restoration. He would restore what the locusts have eaten, and I would learn to deal with my pain in a healthy way so I don't have to reap any more bad fruit. Have you found yourself discovering that you're not as emotionally mature as you thought? Or perhaps seeing areas in your life where you're reaping destruction? Well, thank God that he is faithful and merciful and a redeemer and restorer, no matter how badly we mess up. So, hey, thanks for joining me today. I'd sure appreciate if you would like, follow, share, comment on this episode. I'd love to even connect with you and hear how God is working in your life. So, hey, my name is Athena Dean Holtz, and this is Redeemed and Restored. So thanks for joining us today on the Redeemed and Restored podcast, brought to you by Athena Dean Holtz and the Romans 828 Bookstore, a division of Redemption Press. I'd love to have you review and share this podcast with friends, family, and others who could use the encouragement. And be sure to check out my YouTube channel at Athena Dean Holtz for more tips and tools to help you find the faithfulness of God. So thanks for joining us today. See you next week for another episode of Redeemed and Restored.